Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature, made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, nerd talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From nerds to nerds. Welcome to Nerks of the Hub. Uh, our regular hosts can't be here today because they were last seen being helped into a car trunk by a man and a woman speaking Russian. So I'm Kelsey and I'll be your host today. I am joined by hub writer Leanne. Hello. And the busiest man in Hollywood, Kelly O'Coin. <laughs> Hello. So thank you, Kelly, for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys will recognize Kelly from almost every hit show uh, on your television. Uh, most recently, of course, as Pastor Tim from The Americans and Dollar Bill on Billions, which we love, love, love. So good. <laughs> so we are really excited to talk to you today. That's great. Yeah, I, um, uh, I, I am not, sadly, it was very nice of you to say, but not on every hit show. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still dying to get on Better Call Saul and, uh, and Handmaid's Tale. Then I'd have a, then I'd have a foursome, right? <laughs> that would be, that would be something. Um, yeah. But thank you. That's very kind of you. Well, you're on a lot anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you, my favorite scene from Billions in all three seasons, the Dollar Bill's apology to Ari. <laughs> so funny. I mean, I literally snorted when he says, when you, you or he says, uh, Ari is a human man. And then I was laughing so hard. I was <laughs> cackling at the like, oh my God. Like I just, so I have to ask one how much of that is ad lib and how much is written? And two, how do you film that with so many people and not break and just start laughing? <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's really, really hard not to laugh, uh, which is fun. That's but part of the fun is that we all honestly people say this about casts, but but I mean it. We all get along great. Everyone is is actually fond of everyone else, it seems. And um, there's a lot of funny people, a lot of generous actors. So no one is trying to uh, you know, dominate uh, set time <clears throat> or dominate scenes unless the character is supposed to be dominating a scene. So there's a lot of give and take and a lot of uh, appreciation of other people's humor. Um, and yeah, there are times when people break and uh, you got to you got to start again. It's fun. I uh, Steve Kunkin who plays Spiros and I have known each other for a long time, but, uh, we've never acted together. And so this, uh, this season was really a joy. Uh, most of my scenes or a lot of my scenes revolved around working with him and he's one of the funniest guys I know. And we just had a blast trying to outdo each other. And, um, uh, so that's been great to answer your question more directly. The show is completely scripted. Um, uh, the, the things can change on the day, but it's usually one of the writers or um, showrunners who will come up and maybe give you another line or adjust it slightly. But uh, it's not a it's not an ad libby show. But it it's great when people ask that question because it means that we're making it sound like it's extemporaneous, and that's fantastic. So it's been it's been fun. That scene that you're talking about, I loved shooting that scene. Oh my god, I loved shooting that scene, and we spent. The director and Steve spent so much time trying to figure out the douchiest way of shaking my hand, shaking uh, Dollar Bill's hand. And I think they came up with it. Yes. <laughs> I think they hit success. It was 
was it was amazing. I mean, I was laughing so hard. My husband came in and was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. It was, it was perfect. So, how many how many takes did it take to get that scene without having people like laughing? Huh. It didn't. Uh, it, mainly, the laughter came in. Um, in, in the rehearsals, um, by the time we were, um, shooting the scene, we were able to get through without that being an obstacle. And, uh, so it, it, it wasn't a hindrance. Uh, it just helped the energy of like, if he would do something slightly different or if I did and uh, the director would suggest something, um, it was fun. And maybe he would tell the person doing the scene, you know, tell one actor to do something different and not tell anybody else what's happening. So that provides a little bit of a, um, a spark to the next take. So that can be fun. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So then again, I guess the same sort of question about your scene, uh, with acts with Damien Lewis, where you're screaming at each other. The big fight. Yeah. The fake fight. <laughs> um, did, did that, I mean, I guess it would, is it the sort of same where you get out all the giggles during rehearsal or was that one that was sort of difficult? I mean, you're putting all your force into this like just ridiculous scene. That's hilarious. Yeah. I think early on we definitely, uh, I, I wish they would put out a blooper reel because I, I think some of these scenes would be some of the, the breaks when people do laugh would be pretty hilarious to see. Um, I think they have, it happened early on. Definitely. But we did it so many times. And Damien told me later that he actually had a shoulder injury. So when I shoved him, because he shoves me just sort of pokes and I shove him across the room. And we had to do that about, you know, 20 times, depending on the angle we were shooting at. Um, and he told me later that uh, he was like, yeah, I just wanted to punch you in the face. It hurt so much. <laughs> but he never told me, which was, um, I, I'm, you know, more power to him. I hope I didn't permanently damage it. But the scene, I, I love that shove, how he travels, that long shot of him traveling across the entire uh, length of his office almost. Um, but it was fun. I had actually lost my voice a couple of days before that. Um, and so I was still kind of, my voice was a little ragged. And I think some, uh, for some reason, when I was yelling, you couldn't really tell. I can tell, but I don't have the range that I normally do. But when I was speaking quietly, I sounded like a frog. Um, and so I think there was some tension on set, too, about whether or not we'd be able to get the scene that day. Because it was a huge scene to shoot. That probably mitigated some of the laughter. But um, but we had a really good time. And it was fun. It was the first time, the first scene where I really got to dig down deep with Damien, you know, so that was great. That's cool. Yeah. I think I scare my neighbors regularly watching billions because I'm either screaming at the TV or I'm gasping or I'm laughing so hard. I think I'm shaking the walls. There's literally the best writers on that show because they, yeah. from one scene can be so very, very intense. And then the next scene you're laughing so hard, you're crying. I mean, they're brilliant, yeah. brilliant writers. I agree. I agree. It's uh, there's some of the best in the business. Um, and I've been lucky the, the billions writers room and the Americans writers room. Um, they're, they're two of the best that I've ever seen. So it's wonderful to be able to speak those words and you get the script sent to you a couple days before the table read. And, um, there have been so many times when I scurry into the other room to show my wife. It's like, look, look what I get to say, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's always fun. And you can always tell at the table read the people who haven't read the script. They just look for their lines because <laughs> there'll be some big 
moment, big funny thing or big shocking thing, and someone around the table will be like, oh, oh my, you know, like, <laughs> you didn't read the script, did you? <laughs> So when you took bullshit, the bullshit, 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 my line, bullshit, bullshit, my line. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just skip everything else. So when you took the role, did you know, I mean, that he was going to be, I don't even know how to describe Dollar Bill. He's such a character, but the stuff like the, the two families and that, you know, he'd get questioned and be like, I've already prepared for this. I'm going to go ahead and tell them, you know, like just dead cold. Did you yeah. know that? Or were you like, I have what? I know. I have what now? Yeah. Uh, to, to what? Um, no, I knew nothing about it. I don't know anything until I read, um, until I get the scripts, which is the way it works with TV. And it's sort of, it's, it's sort of early on. It surprised me. I, um, back in the day when I first started doing TV, it was like, really, we don't, I know we don't get rehearsal, but we really don't know anything about the, um, the upcoming, uh, episode until we get the script. Um, but yeah, that's how it works. So I learn, I learned about my second family and I had a big, huh, moment, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, uh, when they sent it out. That's so interesting. Well, I'm glad I had never heard that. I mean, you hear people are always, act, you know, bugging actors. What's going to happen this season? What's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? And they say, I don't know. And maybe we don't always believe them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, it's, you, you would think uh, that, that people would know, but no, I, I know. And I, I have no idea whether or not say Damien, Paul or Maggie have a little bit more insight. I would guess that they would. Maybe there's some, maybe there are a couple hints that they're given, but I've heard them say, uh, just like everybody else that they really don't, they really don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah. The Americans, I love, love, love the Americans. And actually it, it, not just because of the wigs, but also because <laughs> your character is so very different on the Americans from billions. I didn't put two and two together that you were also pastor Tim, but when I found that out, I freaked out. <laughs> I freaked out. Uh, I wanted to ask you when you got the script for the Americans before you actually read the part for your very last scene that he actually did not give away the Jennings. Did right. you expect that he was going to whenever he got the call? I didn't know I was going to be in the final season until about two weeks before we shot it. Maybe a little bit more, actually. Um, actually, it was a little bit more. But um, and then I didn't know what the scene was until right before we shot it. So I didn't have any preconceived notions. I thought when I was, when the Jays called me and told me at the end of the, near the end of the last season, they said, okay, the, um, the good news is you're, you don't die. <laughs> the, the bad news is you're moving really, really far away. <laughs> but they said, you know, we may, we don't know what the season is yet. Uh, we have uh, basic arcs, but we don't know. Uh, we very well may bring you back, but we don't know. Um, so then I found out I had a, I had a, a scene and um, my first thought was, ah, fantastic, fantastic. I'll get to work with uh, Holly again or I get to work with Matthew and Carrie and one more time, Ooh, one last hurrah, maybe they'll shoot me. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then it was like, oh, no, no, it's a scene with, uh, with Noah. 
And I was like, oh, great. So fantastic. Noah and I haven't really been able to do much together. That'd be great, too. It'd be fun to hang out with him. And they said, oh, actually, you're, it's a phone call. And you're shooting it uh, a month apart. <laughs> so oh, no. my, my big return to, the, to my Americans family was, uh, was, just, was just me and the crew, <laughs> and, which is great because I love those guys. Um, and the director is fantastic. And um, oddly, actually, it shot in a... Um, the interior was uh, a church about a block and a half from where I live. So I just wandered down the street and uh, I was able to <laughs> was able to go into all the stores and restaurants of people who are, I've become friends with and show them my wig and freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the itchy wig. Check it out. Yeah, Check it, it out. Some people now hadn't they're, seen they're, the show. Oh, I'm sorry. They just, no, I was just, some people hadn't seen the show and they just know me as the bald <laughs> guy in the neighborhood. And, um, <laughs> What the hell is on your head? <laughs> yeah. Now there oh. are a lot of crossovers, right? Yeah. Uh, between the Americans and and billions. Yeah, there are. There are. Um, there have been. Let's see. Noah directed uh, two episodes um, of the, of Billions, uh, and he was on one episode. He might have directed three, actually. Um, Lev Gorn was just on. Um, me, Susie Meisner. It's uh, yeah, it's surprising. The shows could not be more different in tone and subject matter, but for some reason, um, there seems to be a, a, a big crossover. So speaking of, I mean, they are very different, and so we weren't kidding. You say you stay busy. So when you're, you know, sort of simultaneously uh, shooting Turn, The Americans, Billions, you just got done on stage. I mean, how difficult is it? transition between those? I think the writing is so specific in all of them that it hasn't been, uh, those things haven't been hard in the way I think you're asking um, you, to pivot from one character to another. And um, it, it really has not been that difficult. Um, yeah. Just because uh, the characters seem so fully realized on, on the page that you just sort of, you jump and, there's no net and it just, uh, it, for some reason it, um, you can ride that, you can ride the, uh, this is a strange mixed metaphor, but you can stay, you can ride it. It's, uh, it's, it does a lot of the, the writing does a lot of the work for you in these shows if it's well-written and actually in the play, um, I did, this is, we're in a break. I'm not, I haven't been shooting anything, um, over the past month or two. So, so I was able to just go immerse myself in that, which is, which is lovely. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure it has nothing to do with your, you know, talent as an actor. <laughs> well, <thanks. laughs> so sure. what, what do you prefer? I mean, are you just like, I want to do everything and that's why I do everything? Or is there, you know, you prefer comedy, drama? I want to do everything, yes. Uh, because I, I think you, that's how you keep learning challenging yourself with stuff that's not necessarily in your, in your sweet spot, in your wheelhouse, not the safe zone, whatever, whatever euphemism I can come up with. Um, it's, uh, I've been really fortunate and I've been really happy to play two characters so different. Um, the characters of Pastor Tim and Dollar Bill. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to do a good script. And if it happens to be funny, uh, that's great. If it happens to be dark and, or terrifying, that's great. The play I just did, um, it's actually a really spooky, um, really spooky, um, psychological thriller. 
And that was fun too, to hear audiences actually gasp at the blackout. Um, <clears throat> because theater, I, the director and the writer made a very good point early on. There isn't a lot of truly scary theater. There's something that, that may, for some reason, it's either not attempted or people turn to camp or gore. Uh, and for some reason, maybe because they can't, it can't, it won't be as realistic when you're getting into actual gore and types of violence. Um, you can't make it as realistic as, as a TV show or a movie can. So it ends up being campy, like, uh, with, with, uh, you know, bats on wires, um, flying around the stage or that sort of thing. So if you can create something that's truly scary and make use of the fact that you're in the same room, you know, what you, what you lack in, um, CGI, <laughs> you can make up for in proximity to the audience and you're all breathing the same air. So if you can pull something that's truly scary, it has to be somehow connected to, um, uh, to the fact that you're all in the same room together, if that makes any sense. And I think we did that, which was really satisfying. And the bigger answer to your question, I guess would be, uh, um, maybe a question you weren't really asking, but, uh, my first love will always be theater. Um, there's nothing like it in the world for just those reasons I was mentioning. You really are sharing molecules with people. I mean, I guess that's anywhere, but you're, you're breathing the same air and the audience there, you know, in some cases they're 10 feet from you, even less. It's just, it's, it's thrilling. And the immediate feedback is, uh, and the energy from the room is, there's, there's absolutely nothing like it. Um, but I love TV and, and film acting too, especially it, it, the nice thing about, where TV has gone in the past 15 years or so is a lot of, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of, uh, theater writers or a lot of playwrights who actually write for TV now. And I think that's part of the reason why the quality is skyrocketed. So it's fun to see some of your theater friends or people you've known from the community on your show. And it's like, Hey, look, Oh, cool. That's not literally the conversation, but (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome. Is that true that um, with with theater, I hear that even though it's it you're doing the same play uh, every night, that every night is different? Yeah, very much so, because every audience is different. And, you know, we're not computers. We're humans. So we can't do things exactly the same way, even if we're trying. And some actors like to shake things up more from performance to performance. Um, and uh, and some people like to try to match what they did the night before exactly. And I fall somewhere in the middle of that. You have, you have to be able to, like I said, you have to be able to take the ride. Uh, and that requires a, a certain amount of surrendering to whatever moment, uh, is presented to you. And then, you know, if there's a little micro beat that's different then that's probably going to shift sl- something slightly to the left or right or whatever. And you have to go with it. Um, the, the, key is to make sure that you are still true to the the world and the reality and the bones of the, the structure that you created during, um, uh, during rehearsals. So that's the, the tension. Um, and, uh, that in and of itself is to me pretty exciting. So when you say like some actors like to mix it up or, you know, I mean, how f- far, I mean, I guess we all, you know, think, play rehearsals. Everybody learns their lines. Exactly. This yeah. is where you stand. Yeah. This is where you go. So how, I mean, how much freedom do you, do you really have to, to change it up? You, um, what I'm talking about is, um, you know, maybe the level to which, uh, 
I am angry with you now, you know, or if I'm shouting or if I'm being quiet or if there's uh, a different way that uh, slightly different way to cross the room when you have to cross the room. You still have to hit those signposts and the mile markers. That's sort of what I mean by you have to be true to the bones that you've created, the structure. Um, but different directors uh, allow different things. Maybe there are directors who really, really, really want to rein you in and make sure that you're you're hitting things in a way that's that looks exactly the same to him or her. Um, and others might be willing to, as long as you're delivering the same emotional truth, they might be fine with uh, a, a greater variety of uh, with greater variety in performances. Um, but you have to remain true to what you've created. And partially that's for the, uh, I mean, well, you can't change lines. That's actually a, an equity rule. You have to be, uh, you can mess up lines, but you can't intentionally change the lines because it's not your play. Right. Um, and it's unprofessional to do that unless it's built into the type of show that it is, if it's improv and, and whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I tend to, I tend to fall I like new things. Um, I, I, it's exciting when someone gives you a new thing. Um, you feel like you're playing ball with people, and it's fun to ha to work with actors who are facile. But um, I also want to know that the person is honoring the work we had done in rehearsal. So I'm a I'm a sort of a mix of the two. I don't want to be rigid. I don't want it to get stale. But uh, <clears throat> part of our job is to make sure that we can do a hundred plus performances and not make it stale and keep it from not being, keep it from being stale. So that's one of the, that's just part of our job. And the lines have to be unbelievable that you have to learn. So when you get on television with billions, you probably <laughs> think, Oh, that's all I have to learn this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, you could look at it that way. The other thing is we have a lot more time to memorize the lines for theater. And by the time you see a show, most likely we, we have been in performance for a while. So it's, probably even more solid than when we were where we were at opening night with billions you've got maybe overnight and uh, a lot of technical with tv i mean um, and with billions there's a lot of technical jargon uh, a lot of finance stuff and i know nothing about finance <laughs> literally nothing i can't even <laughs> find my checkbook right now you know it's just <laughs> so it's all a lot of it is learning and you're learning on the fly so it, it's hard it's just hard in a different way Cool. So when you talk about with theater, like, you know, the energy from fans and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're just curious. Four haters. Weirdest, <laughs> yeah. Weirdest fan interaction you've had. Weirdest fan interaction? Yeah. Um, I've been lucky. I haven't had, I haven't had too many weird ones. I was surprised. I was sort of surprised when people started yelling dollar bill to me on the street a couple years ago. <laughs> um, I, I've been Pastor Tim for so long and literally no one recognizes me because of that wig. So I, I just, it surprised me when, yeah. Um, the, the weirdest, I was also at a Portland trailblazer game and I swear to God, that's my team. I'm a basketball fan. Um, and I swear more people there seemed to recognize me than anywhere else. And I thought, what is it about Portland and basketball fans that, that somehow, makes them love billions. It was just, that, that was a fascinating oddity. Um, I'd say the weirdest would be <laughs> there are these autograph seekers that I've known for, um, for years. They come to every play and 
I've seen them collect autographs. And I remember the first time they asked me, I thought, oh, good, I've arrived. But <laughs> I so I signed this card and he looked at it and without saying anything, he sort of, he, I think he threw it on the ground or something and handed me another card. No, he didn't. He wasn't that rude, but he just, I guess he, he put it somewhere, um, pulled out another card and said, now can you just print it, please? I was like, wait, what? Oh, wow. He's like, I want it printed so I can read it. I was like, but that's not my signature. He's like, yeah, uh, just do it, please. I was like, okay. So, but it, literally anybody could have written that. He's like, yeah, but I know. It was just an odd, you know, there was nothing bad about it. It was just a very strange, <laughs> very strange thing. Kind of I don't understand. Blue. <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand um, uh, autograph culture. Uh, I've never been particularly interested in autographs myself. So maybe there is something about that that somebody listening to this can can tweet, like explaining what that what might be behind that. I'm like, I, I know I, I have a couple of people that I've met, but I definitely like would much rather have an autograph than them print it that I could have printed and then gone, look at this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe I should sign my print. Like I printed in block letters and then signed it underneath. Maybe that would yeah. make some sense. I don't know. It was, it was just those odd. I haven't really had that many strange um, or bad um, experiences. It's uh, I've been lucky. Oh, that's good because I see on Twitter, for some reason, there's a lot of Pastor Tim hate. And I'm <laughs> not a Pastor Tim hater. I just can't understand why that I there were a couple of things maybe that were questionable when he was telling Paige, you know, that she was doing well, she was doing better, he believed in her, and then she read his naughty naughty, read his diary, and right. it said something else. But I I didn't really see that he was a big threat to Paige. I, he really cared about her. His wife really cared about her. He felt bad for what his wife did when he went missing. And I, I just, I didn't understand it, but I do see that there is some Pastor Tim hate. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, and it's honestly, um, it, it's been fun over the years to, to play with that. And I, I there are a lot of, uh, of Twitter followers who, <laughs> who love saying, I love you, man, but Jesus Christ, I want that guy dead. <laughs> you know, and it's, so it's become, it became a fun thing and a funny thing pretty, pretty early on. Um, and I think to whatever extent people gave a crap about my opinions of, of their opinion of, of pastor Tim, I think that they saw that I was, I was good humored about it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, a crappy wig goes a long way to making someone hate you, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, not, and, and I, I want to rephrase that. It's not a crappy wig. It was a very well done wig, a, but a ridiculous head of hair <laughs> will go a long way <laughs> towards making people hate you. Everyone thought I was a pedophile initially. Um, and then they started to think I was an operative. Um, and, and then I think there's just a certain momentum to hating Pastor Tip. You know, it's like, well, we've already, we've always done it. It would take the inertia um, kicks in and, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to have someone you, you hate. Yeah. So with that, I mean, did you find, because I know that there, especially, you know, recently it's been the news, I know an actress from Star Wars sort of got bullied off social media. Um, are your fans, have you found in general, able to distinguish between you as a character and you as a person, um, you know? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I get into heated political battles with people. Um, but I don't, I don't think that people are necessarily, and sometimes some of the comments have seems like they're coming from a surprise that I am not dollar bill, that I don't have the same worldview. Um, but nothing overt, nothing that would overtly indicate that, um, you know, I mean, I'm not in the Star Wars universe, so we have yet to have any people come on board and say, yeah, but this isn't true to, to the, you know, episode one, blah, blah, blah. And it just, uh, there's <laughs> no way that he would do that because he's from the planet Alderaan and blah, blah, blah. So we haven't had any of that. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Now, you grew up with politics, so I find it interesting that some of the people tried to, I don't know, get defensive with you on Twitter about politics as if, well, you're an actor. What do you know about politics? Oh, yeah. I, that's, yeah, I, I always love the stick to acting um, comment or the, uh, you know, actors really, basically the idea that actors shouldn't somehow because of their profession aren't allowed to to engage in political debate as if you would tell your plumber to stay in your lane. You're, you know, what does a plumber know about, about politics? I, I you never hear that. So it's just <laughs> actors and entertainers. It seems. Um, yeah, I grew up with a, a political family, um, and, uh, an activist family. So, um, being involved at least in the discussion is, uh, is in my blood. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's too important right now to, um, to, it's too important now to share our, our opinions and to, and to have, and make our voices heard to not do that. I think others might I disagree. <laughs> and you know what? And like, people tend you don't know to anything about po- on Twitter too. So <laughs> yeah, they, especially there's an anonymity to it and, um, people um, yeah, no, that's true. I was going to say something I just forgot, but uh, I, 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 it would be nice if everyone could stay civil, but at a certain point, um, a good, you can bleep this if you want, but at a certain point, uh, a, a good fuck off uh, goes a long way. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does, and no, it won't be because it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> So you talk about, you know, making your voice heard. Well, that certainly um, is something you've been doing for a while. I think Leanne actually found an article about when you were a kid. Is that right? The, what, what was the commercial you found, Leanne? The, the first commercial he did, actually, um, yeah. when he, he played the son, but he actually was doing it for his dad. So he was right. the son. I was. It was the part I was born to play. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, yeah, my my dad, uh, my dad was a Democrat, is a Democrat. And um, there was uh, there was an attempt to paint him as a big spender um, simply because he uh, he was a Democrat. Um, and so the the ad that they came up with to counter that was that he was making his son wash the car, which, you know, good. Everyone should have chores. But I was, I spent the whole time looking at the camera talking about how cheap my dad was. Like, uh, <laughs> it's 
like whenever my dad, I think it's funny that I still remember some of the lines, but it's like whenever my dad drives into a gas station and sees a sign for free air, if he asks for an extra five pounds, you know, like stuff <laughs> like that, real groaners, but, uh, but cute and, and, and funny. Um, so yeah, that was my, I think that was my debut, my, my screen debut. Acting in politics. I know. It's, it's good to know someone. <laughs> good to know the casting person. <laughs> so how did you, you did uh, the spots for NPR, uh, talking about um, economic policy created by economists. That was right. what, 2016? That Maybe earlier, but possibly. I can't remember right now. Um, how did you get yeah, that? It was for um, Planet Money. Um which is, um, the, I don't know if you know the podcast Planet Money. I actually know one of the two guys who started that podcast from college. Um, and uh, I think I'd done a voiceover thing for them before. And then he called and said, hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? Um, and uh, and I, I was. So I signed on, on board. It was right. There, there were two little spots and they were both, I was pretending to be a... a a candidate talking about my giving the broad strokes of my economic platform, all of which were things that would never fly with politicians. They would never, uh, they were just politically untenable. Um, they, I guess what I meant was they would never fly with voters. Um, for one, getting rid of the, um, the mortgage deduction on your taxes, so a couple other things. Um, and there were reasons why they said that these are actually the kind of drastic things we need to do to, to help our country economically and they will never happen. And they wanted to show how interesting that dichotomy was um, and how big that gap was by putting it, putting the information up there in the style of a, of a type of ad that we would see. Um, and that, yeah, so that's what they did. And, uh, and it was fun. It was really fun. I told my dad I was channeling him when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> You're my inspiration. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask you, are you a Hamilton fan? The musical? Yes. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. watching you on turn playing Hercules Mulligan, <laughs> yeah. when you got the part, interpretation. it's a little different interpretation, but seriously, every time you're on screen, like in my head, it's just like, Hercules Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had a friend send me, There's, I guess there's a meme of that clip when he first appears and he's just like, just like, takes the center stage and uh, it's like we had a spy on the inside Hercules Mulligan <laughs> so I did a lot of that on set um, okay. I, I don't think I endeared myself to the rest of the cast no but it was that was really fun my wife was obsessed with that show she always corrects me when I say obsessed she quite enjoyed that show and I I, I liked it too but she was so excited when I got the audition and then it was Christmas break. And so we didn't hear anything. And she was so bummed that it sounded like I wasn't getting it. And then she was jumping up and down when I got it. Um, uh, when I, when I got the call that I was going to be doing it, she just, she loved the show. Um, and my friend is, uh, my friend is, uh, was in it, uh, Heather Lind, um, and I'm forgetting the character name, but, uh, one of the main characters. So it was fun to spend some time in Richmond with her too. Okay. Did you shoot in Richmond? Yes. Yep. Shot in Richmond. Yeah. And so I was down there. I did three episodes, maybe four. I can't remember now, but I was down there for um, about four weeks, different times. Okay. So being down there, I mean, did you take the time to go down to like Jamestown or Williamsburg or anything? I did not. I've been to Williamsburg years ago. 
Um, I didn't. I spent a lot of time just walking around Richmond. I was actually put up in a, a little town outside of Richmond called Short Pump, um, which is a very, very odd name. Um, but I would go, I'd drive into town and then just, well, then just walk. Or maybe I'd take an Uber somewhere and then I would, um, I would walk through the, mainly the, Richmond has a great area called the Fan. And then um, there's uh, Terrytown, I think, uh, which are great areas to hang. So I just explored the city. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else you, you mean anything you want to bring up to the fans? Hi. Uh, <laughs> thanks for watching. You guys are awesome. It really is a, it really truly is uh, both sets, both fan bases are awesome and smart and funny. Um, so it's been a joy. It's really been a joy interacting with, with y'all on, um, on the Twitter enjoy it. it really it's really been fun and rewarding i'm glad people like it yeah well you're definitely a, a fan favorite that's for sure i mean dollar bill especially steals like every scene with just like a <laughs> face i mean <laughs> that's, that's awesome it's so fun i every time i get like i said i do i run into the other room giggling uh, to my wife about what I, what I'm going to get to say. It's really, it's <laughs> such a joy to work with, with writers like this and castmates like this. And do you have any other, uh, projects coming up that you can tell us about? I mean, other than more billions. Right. Um, I just did, uh, a new play that's, um, we did a, a work, a full production, but it was, um, in a place where you don't invite critics so you can see what's maybe wrong with it or maybe how it's developing. And then, and it won't kill the, uh, it won't kill the play because it doesn't get a bad review if it's not fully there yet, but I, it's a, it's really good and it's going to be great. It's called radio Island. Uh, Liza Birkenmeyer, young playwright is phenomenal. Uh, <clears throat> so Hopefully in within the next few years, you'll be seeing that play with or without me, but that play up somewhere. Um, I love working on new plays. I love being part of the developmental process. It's, it's, and of course you always want to continue with something, but that almost never happens. So, but I love that. And then uh, there's this movie that um, I shot also Dan Soder, uh, who plays Mafi on Billions. He was also in, it's called Drunk Parents with Sama Hayek and Alec Baldwin. And I swear IMDb says it's, it said it was out, but no one knew where. And then it said it was in, it was in post-production and then it said it was finished, but not released. And as of right now, I think it says the release date is 2018. So it's a big, it's a bit of a window, <laughs> uh, but we're halfway through and it still hasn't come out yet. Uh, but that should, it, the script was hilarious. Um, I would love to see that come out soon. So keep your eye out. And if you see anything, if you find it in a, in a DVD, then give me a shout. <laughs> okay. I was curious. I did see that on IMDb and I was like, drunk parents. I don't, what? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, and I even did, um, I did ADR for it too. I did some looping for it. So I know it was, I, I mean, it was close to being finished at the time and I, I think it's done. So I, I just can't get quite, I can't find out exactly where it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. Well, yeah. we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, again for uh, agreeing to come on and, and chat with us. Oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For, very funny. You're very funny in, in person, too. Not just Dollar Bill, but you're very funny. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Bye. 
You just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub, produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page, both at TV Series Hub. Send us a message. Nerd proudly.